Good evening. This is Good the Arista Gamer Podcast for the month of August. As yep. uh, as always, we are joined by uh, the Colonel and yes, um, Casey, and a few other people that don't have mics right now. So, <laughs> so we're gonna go ahead and get into it. Uh, first off, thank you to anybody who came to our panel. Uh, we were just at a panel on how to review video games and be mildly entertaining at San Japan this weekend, and it went great. We gave away a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we talked about reviewing games and being objective, scoring, uh, being funny, how to convey your point with humor and not sound like a douche. Um, yeah, and we also gave away a whole bunch of stuff and played Street Fighter 2 for a while, and then somebody dropped one of the controllers and it didn't work anymore, so that tournament had to be cut short, so we just ended up giving it free stuff away to everybody so yeah, thanks to anybody who showed up to the panel it was really awesome we had like 50 people or so there which is way more than i was expecting i would have been happy with three uh people that i didn't know and uh i was there was more than that so that was that was nice yeah it was really fun we got to talk to a lot of people and kind of actually have a conversation with them engage true fighter thing worked for i think what two rounds yeah it was yeah it was only two rounds but you know it was good while it lasted <laughs> Um, yep. so there's yeah, that out of the way. Um, and yeah, the Colonel couldn't be there. He got back. You got back from what? It was, uh, it was, it was Paris, right? Yeah, we, uh, we had just flown in from Paris about two, maybe three days before the panel at San Japan. And I, in my internal clock was completely and absolutely shot, and so I was kind of unable to go. And I'm really sad about that. But there's always next time for everybody. So. Oh, absolutely. I don't think I'll be going to Paris that often. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good uh, point. I still try and get a panel at IkiCon. Uh, yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, we may get a panel at Iki. We're probably going to get another panel next year at San Japan at the very least. So um, we will oh, notify yeah. you guys as soon as we know. Uh, I know that this panel was a bit short notice for some people, so we'll we'll, we'll try to give you a bit a uh, bit of a better heads up next time. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about Gamescom. Gamescom is, I think, just wrapping up uh, right now. Um, it's been kind of a big conference for a lot of people. Um, so Casey, I, I know that you said you saw some new IPs that you were excited about. Wh- which ones were you talking about? Um, one called Remember Me, I think. Um, yeah, it was this awesome playthrough. You saw like a memory remix that you had an objective, and to complete that objective, you had to go dive into this person's memory, and in doing so, you had to change certain aspects of the memory to make him think that something else happened. Like it, the 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 play was like this some dignitary or like government person, and you had to make him think that he killed a woman that he didn't kill, remixed his memory, um, and that looked really interesting. Um, there's a lot of artistic potential in that one. I really liked seeing that. Yeah, and then and at the same time, it's also it, it looked like kind of like Watch Dogs. You have like screens kind of floating in the air, very kind of uh, uh, cutting edge stuff, like a fringe technology. We have like screens floating in the air, or, like robots running around scanning stuff, and people in big giant suits walking around. It looked kind of cool. Um, that was the big one that stood out to me, from what I noticed. How about you, Devin? Um, alright, I checked in a lot more on Black Ops 2, and that is really sounding more interesting, and I'm getting a little more hopeful, and I didn't think I'd ever say that with a Call of Duty title, but this one seems to be really gearing towards making sure it is a more unique experience, especially in the multiplayer sense, as opposed to Modern Warfare 3 or Modern Warfare 2, or anything else for that matter, that it's gonna, that the map design and the weapons, and especially the class layout, the um, it's, it's gonna have a lot more of a unique feel to it, and they're doing away with death streaks, which is great, and I, uh, and of course the zombie mode is always popular, and I probably am more excited about that one than any other aspects of it, so... And otherwise, it's just the same kind of things you'd be excited for with any Call of Duty title. But also, Command and Conquer Generals 2. They didn't have as much information on that as I'd hoped, but just seeing how much more development has been going into it, because the first Generals was absolutely stunning, and I loved playing that game, and I still play it now and again. So 
seeing what they've been doing with the sequel, I that's one to be watched. In my opinion, that's big one to be watching for. Well, the only thing that was really announced about that game is that it was rolled up into a free-to-play Command & Conquer game. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's what it was. Yeah, but at the same time, it's it seems that they're probably going to be going with not just giving an updated feel of Generals like they've done with previous titles, you know, Generals and then Generals 2. Slightly better maps, slightly better weapons, but, you know, the same kind of overall story. Well, I guess if you can call it a story... But because they're going in for that, you know, real-time free-to-play platform, then they can go for possibly a much more broader – what's the word I'm looking for? A much broader map layout that they can have it set up with a lot more people doing in the multiplayer than has been previously done. It's going to be almost on kind of a halfway to the MMO scale for the terms of how much, how many people can be playing against or with each other at once. So it, it could, it has a lot of potential and I'd say watch for it. The uh, new IP that I'm really excited about is the new game from media molecule molecule, the same people behind little big planet and it's called Tearaway. It's got sort of a similar art art style in that it looks like it's a lot of paper stuff uh, there wasn't a lot of gameplay on it. It just looked like you were kind of running around, um, which, I mean, was really sort of what Little Big Planet 2 was. It was just a very simple platformer. So I'm sort of interested to see what it looks like or what what it's going to be playing like whenever it's released. I think it's for the PS3, maybe, pop, I would say probably for the Vita as well. Um, and it, it, it looks like it's going to be interesting. I hope that there's more story because um, that, that's one thing that Media Molecule hasn't been great at yet is delivering a story because their single player modes on little big planet didn't have much of a story it didn't really need to it was just a conveyor for uh for new gameplay mechanics for showing you how to do level designs and it was really neat and everything but you know there, there wasn't really much of a story so i'm hoping that in tearaway they'll they'll give they'll give me more motivation to keep playing instead of oh hey look in this next one you can drive a car by pulling a sponge isn't that neat hmm. I was really happy with uh, how they also elaborated more on announced uh, E3 or before. Um, like we got a better look at like the Devil May Cry game, um, which is supposed to be like a reboot of the series, which looks nice. Uh, they announced more about Assassin's Creed 3, Borderlands 2, Black Ops 2, uh, Dead Space 3. They uh, what all the games that they announced and kind of had a small trailer for, maybe like a gameplay demo. They get you, they gave you more hands on hands on play uh, play videos or more trailers. They gave a lot more description of what's going on, and um, I kind of appreciate that they gave more information on that. Because like I looked at um, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, I looked at Borderlands two videos and uh, the the Virgil trailer they gave for Devil May Cry. It looked really good, and yeah, I think I might actually pick up Devil May Cry now because uh, it looked like it could be really fun to do to play with. Those were great games. Those the uh, f- when those first ones were coming out, man, it just blew my mind that those games did. Of course, and I was another, young, another really cool, mm, excuse me, another really cool thing we got to see at Gamescom was Okami HD. Okami HD actually got some new uh, screenshots and a whole bunch of footage. As pretty as Okami looked on PS2, it looks absolutely gorgeous in HD. Um, and as much as I'm kind of against buying HD remakes, unless you know you've played the first and it left a crazy huge impact on you like you know Ico and shadow of the colossus i think i may have to pick up okami hd because it, it just looks too good and i never actually got to finish the first one so i think that's a game that i'm going to be looking into as well definitely i wish there'd been more information on the injustice gods among us because oh, yeah. I, I don't know how i really feel about that game of of when I first saw it, I was thinking that okay, it's another campy fighting game. There, you know, you you fight with other DC universe heroes, you know, Batman and Catwoman and Wonder Woman and all that. Yeah, okay, great, they're gonna fight. But I don't really know that much more about it. I haven't really heard like with the fighting engine that's going to be using, uh, the style that it's going to be, or if it's going to be well accepted in the fighting game community because that's a pretty hardcore community to try and break into. So. I I really don't know what NetherRealm is hoping to accomplish with this because it seems like, like I said, it seems like a really big hit or miss kind of game to try and go into. And I wish there had been a lot more information on it other than 
you're going to fight as DC characters because we've seen that many times. Well, I got to see uh, I saw it being played at um at Comic-Con. I didn't get to play it myself, but uh Ben said that he played it and it it felt really great. It felt like a really good fighting game and he said that it completely makes up for uh uh Mortal Kombat versus DC superheroes or Yeah, whatever. that's exactly what I was thinking of. I was thinking, you know, the trailer made me excited for Mortal Kombat versus DC and then I played a demo of it and I just didn't even think about it ever again. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, at the very least, Catwoman looks neat in it. <laughs> uh, one other game that I really want to get now is Transformers Fall of Cybertron. I've always been a big Transformers fan. I played um, the War for Cybertron, and that was pretty cool. And now they have Dinobots, and I'm like, yay! Transformers fans rejoice. Good, good games, good games. Yeah, the trailer actually looks really good. Uh, I was watching a Game Grumps video that linked to it, and I, I I was really surprised because all of the Transformers games I just sort of dismissed, like, eh, this is going to be kind of stupid. I mean, it's Transformers. I don't, you know, there's probably the not going to be a good Transformers game. The games are coming out, but it's going to be one of those, you know. Yeah, and so it looks, I mean, yeah, it looks really impressive. So whenever it actually comes out, I may rent it to see, you know, how it is. Yeah. Well, the cool yeah, thing about this series is that they don't follow the movies themselves. They follow the, the actual, obviously, Cybertron more. And uh, High Moon did the war for Cybertron, I think, like two years ago, which was pretty decent. And I think they're just kind of improving upon that with Fall Cybertron. There's another one in the middle somewhere. Well, another, like, the biggest announcement here at Gamescom was Sony's announcement of cross-buy, the program in which you buy a PlayStation 3 game and you get its Vita counterpart for free. Uh, For me, owning a Vita, that's a really big deal because uh, for games like PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, I wasn't really going to buy it. I was thinking, eh, it's just going to be another dumb fighting game. I don't really play fighting games. It's okay. And then they announced that, and I thought, well... If I also get the game on Vita for free, I can try out the cross-play functionality. And with this game, you can use the Vita as another controller. So all of a sudden, instead of having three controllers, I now have four. Um, so I, ha- I have a full party game now. Which That was a really smart move on Sony's part to do that. And I really hope that they actually pursue that further than just a few select games will have that. And then they really don't do it much beyond that but they really pursue that because there's potential in that and in terms of marketing that was a very smart move and could bring up their vita sales a lot if they pay attention so you know come on sony pay attention keep it going with this yeah playstation all-stars battle royale was announced uh in addition to uh sly cooper thieves in time ratchet and clank full frontal assault uh or ratchet and clank q force if you're in europe i guess um <laughs> And I'm sure that's not going to be all. Uh, who I, I I don't know. Titles are coming to mind that are coming out for both platforms that support crossplay right now. But I think all of the first party Sony titles are probably going to do that. And I wouldn't be surprised if like lesser known publishing companies were also getting a deal on that because uh, you're going to be cutting out some of the profits uh, that you could be making on the console if you're giving it away for free and. Sp- Probably somebody like Ubisoft or EA or whoever probably doesn't want to do that, which is fine and completely understandable, but this is still a program that I think is going to... I don't know if it's really going to drive hardware sales all that much uh, to start off with, but it's another one of those things that whenever you talk about getting a Vita and somebody's trying to tell you all the features about it, this is another thing that they can say, like, well... You can save your game on the go, and you know you can save your game to the cloud. You pick it up on the Vita, and you can go. And they're like, oh, well, that sounds kind of neat, but do I have to buy both games? And they're like, no, no, no. You just buy, and this is certain games, you just buy the one on PS3, and you download it to your Vita, and, and all of a sudden you have cross-play. It's great. And that would, that would be great for any kind of RPG where you have to grind a lot, where you can, you can grind on the go, or something like Final Fantasy where you have to you know, spend time and you know fight creatures, level up, and figure out what you want to do that'd be a great thing for transferring over so you don't have to have two separate saves and i think they got um they also announced a whole bunch of new characters for uh pasber as i'm calling it now um they what did they announce they announced um the dude from ape escape i don't know who they officially announced i I, like I, i have the full list of everybody who was leaked in the demo but let me see let me pull up like the official one Take okay yeah it's dante sackboy spike uh from 
uh, Ape Escape, and Ratchet and Clank. So yeah, all 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 of those are pretty pretty well known. Uh, also rumored, they're not confirmed, but you know the the leaks clearly say that they're going to be a part of the game. Are uh, Sir Daniel Fortescue from Medieval, uh, Nariko from Heavenly Sword, and Raiden from Metal Gear Rising. Um, and I think one of the uh, sprites was also they had. Uh, Cole McGrath in good mode and evil mode. So either he's going to be able to switch between those on the fly while you're playing as him, or you have to choose one of the two. So he'll count as two characters. Kind of like Mario uh, and Dr. Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm betting if they do it right, they can have DLC characters like a DLC pack and add like new characters or that are kind of like, you know, similar to how they expanded on the characters with each melee interaction. Oh, DLC. you know, they will. I mean, yeah. they have to. Yeah, they they're they're going to. They're they're putting a lot of their budgeting into this game and they're going to need to go in with DLC as well just because they know it sells. Yeah. And and they're trying to put in as many characters as possible. So, I mean, they got the big daddy. You know, that's one of the third party ones that they have, but they've got a I mean, they've got to continue trying to get third party characters. So, I think was it Spyro or maybe Crash Bandicoot? One of the one of hey, them Hachi. Yeah, no, no. Hihachi is a is a Sony title. He he's probably going to be in there as well, though. Um, I, like there's a uh, there's uh, there's an IP that's really well known on PlayStation. I want to say it's either Spyro or Crash that um, they couldn't get in the game because they couldn't get the rights for it, which is sad. That's really sad, man. Come on. So yeah, I, I guess uh, is there any other news from Gamescom that you guys know about? Um, Castlevania Lords of Mirror Shadow, or what was what it called? Lords of Shadow? Yeah, yeah Lords of Shadow, that's Mirror of Fate. Really yeah, that's a long title. Um, again, another game I wish that there had actually been more information on, because it's been a while since a relatively good Castlevania game has been done, and of course, you know, uh, gamers of our age loved the older Castlevanias, but, um, so with this, I was kind of hoping to hear or see more from Gamescom itself, other than a few sketches. That's kind of what I remember seeing, was some blown-up sketches of possibilities and the art design that they're going towards with it, and this one skeletal dude that looked pretty rockin', but otherwise, I just didn't get much out of it. It, it seemed like when they had information on Duke Nukem Forever, and they released some sketches on it. Well, wait, have you? are you talking about the 3DS one? Uh, I'm not quite sure. Hang on. Because uh, if so, then they have they have like a full trailer from uh, the E3. Uh, they have a full trailer from the I think the E3 or the secondary announced the Nintendo DS special, 3D 3DS special. Hang on, hang on, I'm looking real quick. I'm seeing Castlevania Lords of Shadow: Mirror of Fate. Uh, there yeah. was a gallery, some screenshots that were released. Yeah, that's all there is. That's all, oh, that's all that I really see. It's that one. It's not the 3DS one. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, that it's is, one that's, that's been delayed. PS3. Yeah, that's it. It's a that's that's also why it reminded me of Duke Nukem Forever because it was delayed again and it's being delayed and all they have are some sketches. Oh, <laughs> man, right, well, okay. I mean, th- that seems to be happening recently. There, are, um, although I am really worried, there are some games that sort of have been turning into Duke Nukem Forever. Uh, like Half Life Three is one of them. Everybody just wants that to be released, and it's probably not even being worked on right now. But everybody's just like, "When's it gonna come?" Everybody, come on, Valve. What are you doing over there? Um, in addition to that, there's uh, Final Fantasy Versus 13, which everybody assures us is being worked on, but all we, we we haven't seen any new media from it. I think in almost a year now. So the I think the the president of Square Enix was like, "Oh, I heard all these rumors about it being canceled. Ha ha ha! I actually just got out of the daily stand-up meeting and I saw some really cool pictures of the city. They're doing great work." And I'm like, "Okay, well then why can't we see those pictures of the city? Can we see those pictures of the city, please?" Um, and what was the other one? Oh, Bioshock Infinite got pushed back yet again. So, Whoa. I mean, I'm like, I'm worried about those titles. Bioshock less so because at the very least there was like, you know, I, I don't know if there was a playable demo, but I do know that they had tons of video. They had a, a giant media blitz last year and they were like, this is coming. Look at all this. Look at all that. Look at all this. And then it went silent, which this oh. is the first, this is the thing that, uh, that Bioshock, the original did. Um, whenever it was supposed to be coming out, it like it got delayed for an extra year, and we didn't hear much about it. And then it was released, and everybody was like, "Oh, it's a genius game!" But 
Um, I think with this one, it's a lot more noticeable because everybody wants to see more from the Bioshock series, and uh, Bioshock was an unknown IP at the time. I remember uh, two two people left Bioshock, or two head two of the head development uh, on the head development team for Infinite. I think left at some point in the middle oh. of the past couple months. And uh, the Last Guardian, the new game from Team Ico, yeah, the the lead of Team Ico left. And oh, wow. they're saying that it's still coming along, that engineers had to go back and redo some of their work that they thought was going to be done, and there were some technical challenges, and that's just ways of saying, please stop asking us about this, it doesn't look, it doesn't look good. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm worried, man. No, but what does look good? The um, Need for Speed Most Wanted trailer for the oh, Vita? Oh, yeah! Holy yeah. crap! I okay, yeah. I've been kind of one that's been biased against the Vita, and it's been kind of an ongoing joke with me. But even I will admit that that really showed off the graphics capabilities of that handheld. Because wow, that looked crisp. Yeah, I mean, I've got. Um, I guess Sound Shapes isn't a good example right now, but <laughs> I, I'm playing Gravity Rush on the Vita. Gra- Gravity Rush looks absolutely gorgeous it, it has a lot of graphics capabilities it's just that i don't feel like there's been a really good solid game to show those off yet because uncharted was a good example but eh. uh need for speed though i mean this most wanted was oh man 30 fps everything was running smooth it, it was absolutely gorgeous it was a big you know uh, laugh in the face of the people that were like yeah vita can't do that yeah, vita can do that yeah i'm glad they're finally having something that can show it off because they need to be able to show off hardware yeah, they really do. I mean, as much as you can say, well, there's connectivity and there's graphics and there's games, maybe not games, but there's a lot of other things. Um, as much as you can say all that about the Vita, nobody's going to think that it's impressive unless you can show off all of those things. You can say that they have those features all you want, but unless you showcase them, nobody's going to care. Like uh, like navigation, you can do GPS navigation with the Vita with a 3G model because it has a uh, GPS module in it. So... If you want to, you can just use Google Maps to navigate you on your Vita in your car. But I mean, why would you do that? It's just it doesn't make any sense. Oh, uh, you know, I'll also be really impressed when a uh, Black Ops Two Declassified and Assassin's Creed Liberation come out when they announce more trailer slash gameplay demo behind that and show off that you know, j- just like how you know Need for Speed. If those games come out and they're they're really good, they're not just like you know DS knockoffs just to make more money then I think that'll be a great, you know, kind of stick in the face and be like, this thing is rocking some good specs and it can play a lot of really good games with high fidelity. Yeah, well, that's something that I brought up last time, and I think it's something that they really need to overcome because there's a ton of stigma, not only against PSP, but against Nintendo for these big title uh, IPs releasing these small, awful shovelware games on all of their systems. It's, It's sad because... You know, you have what you have what amounts to like a, a good hardware, and it's a good IP. So you would think you could put the two together and come out with something great, but that never happens. Like the Ghostbusters game that came out for all the consoles, uh, the Wii one was the worst one, except for the DS one. That was worse. But like, oh, there's a whole bunch of, God, of bad vibes behind it, and you've you've got to overcome that somehow. And the only way that they're going to do it is with good quality games. And so I'm hoping Assassin's Creed Liberation and uh, Black Ops Declassified does some of that. I want to see some gameplay, though. I want to see. I mean, you, you they... want to see them actually bring out what you know they're capable of. You don't want to see a repeat of Assassin's Creed Bloodlines. I mean, you actually want to see but... something being uh, an actual high quality product being given in this storyline. Yeah, and uh, they they did a little bit of that here at Gamescom. They they showed um, they showed off a, like a gameplay thing for uh, for Liberation, and it it looks really good. Um, like I said, I'm gonna reserve judgment on it because you know Bloodlines actually looked kind of good whenever I, it was first coming out, and I was like, well, maybe that'd be a thing I pick up. And then I, I never did because you know I just knew sometimes you just know games are gonna be bad. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. is, I mean... I got a was... question for Casey. When I know you'd spent a lot of time in Japan. Did you happen to get a chance to check out Tokyo Jungle while you were there? You know, I thought about picking it up before I left, and I did not get the chance to. And I kind of regret doing so, because it's one of the few ones that seem interesting and different, and I wish I picked it up. I really want to check this game out. I've been reading a little bit more on it, and it... I really don't know what to expect out of it, and I find that exciting. 
Well, I mean, I have no idea how it plays. I just saw some screenshots from it, and they were like, hey, look, it's a subway, and there's a gazelle and some stuff on it. And I'm like, and a dinosaur. Ooh. Yeah, man, mankind's deserted. It's a future Japan with no one in it. Except, except dinosaurs? Like, how did dinosaurs come back? Yeah. And apparently, as you play through it, you know, the, there are that, um, as the player, you'll be finding, you know, the clues and the hints, and you'll be discovering what led to the disappearance of mankind. And all. And it's kind of funny, I'm looking over the wiki page, it's saying that the player will discover the truth behind mankind's disappearance. Also, Pomeranian dogs are key characters in the story. <laughs> what? what? That's a good description. Also, ridiculously cute dogs. The end. I mean, how else are you going to sell games based on uh, based on puppies and, and kitties? I don't and... know, but the cover of it is really cool. It's a deserted street in Tokyo with, you know, crumpled up road work, and then there's this one little red-orange Pomeranian dog in the middle. I'm just, okay, that's a game. And he's like, Wah! and you're like, oh, how did mankind die? And he's like, mm, I'm a dog. I'm a dog. That's a dinosaur. Pomeranian. Oh, hey, look at that dinosaur. Hey, dinosaur. Yeah, oh, hey, Raptor. You're a lot bigger than I remember, Raptor. <laughs> well, hey, Raptor. <laughs> hey, did you ever see Jurassic Park? You were in that. I know your brother. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> that game. I, I kind of want to. I hope that that gets a U.S. release because it looks interesting. And oh, if anything else, it just looks interesting, even if that's appealing to the kid inside of me. It could be a crappy game. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen any videos of it, and all the screenshots I'm looking at are like, well, what do you do? What is this? Do you just look at it? Is it like Dear Esther? I don't know. Which, by the way, uh, there. so I've been on Reddit a whole bunch under the Aristogamer account, and there are a whole bunch of people talking about how the, uh, the Dear Esther um, game is getting a sequel. Um, not, not Dear Esther 2, because, I mean, if you played the game, you know why there's no Dear Esther 2, but, uh, there's a spiritual successor to the game in which it, it's more of a storybook type thing, and they're going to try to relieve some of the frustration, so that sounds kind of exciting, um, kind but that of. leads, that leads us into the next topic, um, is uh, video game mods and how uh, how they apply for PCs. So obviously consoles are kind of out. If if mods come out for them, I mean that's that's the publisher putting it out. You're not going to see limited, yeah. yeah, you're not going to see any like user base interaction. You're not going to see like Red Dead Redemption the you know the user created stories that were done on a PC and ported over whatever. Um, it, so basically limited to to PC. Specifically, I was taking a look at DayZ. And DayZ um, blew up. Arma 2 was a game that uh, that was okay. A lot of people played it, but it wasn't really one of those known titles until the DayZ mod came out, and then everybody started playing it. Yep. I mean, have you uh, have you guys played DayZ yet? Yep. What do you think? No. It's worth buying Arma 2 for. It's... It- but it it takes a certain amount of patience, uh, but it's also a lot of fun. It it's kind of one of those things where, how many times have you watched a zombie movie and gone like, why are you running into this? I, I would sit there and you know shoot things, shoot, uh, sit back with a sniper and hold, hoard all my stuff and you know randomly scavenge around for things. You know you 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 shout at people for doing dumb things uh, at like movies or TV shows. This is when you get to sit there and and act, literally act out a zombie apocalypse fantasy. Yeah, do you know I, do you I know what DayZ is, Devin? No, I know what it is. I just don't okay. have armor too. So, <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, I got to see it played a little bit, uh, and it I mean, looks awesome. It really does. Uh, I I especially like the feature where if you're running around out in the woods and you pass by somebody, uh, if you're within a certain radius, you can hear other people talking. I like that. Because that that leads to a whole bunch it's, of moments. It's a zombie game that people have been wanting, and it's just it's just kind of sad that it it has to be based on it has to be a mod. It's not a standalone game, but at the same time, you know that's kind of what the whole point of this subject is: is that this mod would sell me this game. This mod alone would be may give me want to get Arma Two because otherwise I wouldn't be picking it up. But now fun, I'm seriously considering it simply because of this. Fun fact, though, because of how popular Daisy. Uh, the developer Bohemia Interactive is actually going to create a Daisy standalone mod or like a pack expansion pack, I guess. 
Yeah, so like um like the undead expansion for uh for Red Dead was yeah. a stand like you could play it by itself. It, that's going to be like Daisy. Yeah. Which I seems to be kind of what we had all hoped Dead Island was going to be and uh-huh. ended up not being the least bit like. Yeah. That I mean that that's such a sad story about It it is. I mean, there hasn't really been a, a game like DayZ where it was just open world. You're just walking around trying to survive, and there were there happen to be zombies. You got to kill the zombies. Are those survivors? Are they going to help you? Well, of course they're not going to help you. They want your stuff, and I don't know. Yeah. But there's, it's. I don't think the list is so extensive that I can just rattle it off the top of my head right now. But DayZ is a really good example of becoming a standalone that would be very successful kind of like what team fortress did when it started out as just a mod or with um day of defeats or i know i listed off two different ones that are based off valve but still the point is that there are mods that become so popular because of how well set up they are that they do become their own standalone and good for them i'm glad that they're able to well heck gary's mod i mean that's one of the most famous mods on steam is gary's mod I mean, and that that's something I can guarantee you Gary's mod has sold a copy of Half-Life or whatever, because some, you know, some kid was watching like a YouTube poop and he was like, oh, how do you do that? And they're like, oh, you just download Gary's mod and start recording. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna go do that. And then he never did anything with his life ever again. Um, But it, it seems like it seems like a lot of the mods do tend to push some of the games. I mean, yeah, that's not it's not you know a requisite it's not like oh well our game has 437 mods that means that we're really good like minecraft has a whole bunch of mods minecraft actually has a DayZ mod um they have the hunger games mod which i really want to try out they have a whole bunch of mods uh that and they're completely open to modding and uh you know that's the the argument that i heard is um is if arma 2 had hadn't like open their platform to modding they would not be nearly as successful as they had with DayZ, and they had to put zero effort into DayZ. like all they had to do was open the platform and then somebody else made DayZ, and it sold arma 2 so yeah i, I mean I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't do it the amount of mods that skyrim has alone i mean and not all and there's a lot of them out there that aren't just about um enhancing your graphics enhancing the visuals enhancing music or everything you know or adding on weapons but there's been so many of them adding on separate quests ways to change around your class and everything that it's really opened up the game itself and i know of several people that have bought skyrim solely for the pc because there are some fun mods out there of quests and housing and you know whatever enhancements they wanted that would give it a much better experience and it was a lot more justified to pick up the game then than just as a standalone game on a console so not to say that it's not good on console it's fantastic now but the mods, you know, being able to open up your game to be modded, it really opens up possibilities and allows creativity of the community that's really into this game to be utilized. And I think it's a great idea for them to be able to take advantage of that. And, I mean, uh, there are some games that you need mods to play sometimes, like New Vegas, right? Whenever it came out, you needed, I think, two or three mods in order for it to start playing. And... Uh, even even if it's something as simple as redoing a texture pack or whatever, uh, that adds value to your game. That's that's value that you don't have to create yourself, and yet you you know it, it can add it can add so much. In fact, uh, another example that I like to go back to is the Fallout Three mod in which you could turn the mini nuke launcher into a chain gun. That was an awesome mod. <laughs> and yeah. I'm looking up. There, like, in fact, just a couple days ago, um, under the Steam subreddit, somebody was like, "Well, I've, I've got ten dollars and I want to buy a Fallout game. Which one should I buy?" And a whole bunch of people were like, "Listen, New Vegas is better." And I mean, I don't agree with that, but they said, "You know, New Vegas is better." But here are the mods you have to have, and they posted, I think, twenty mods, which were like, "This saves the choppiness. This uh, does high resolution for everything. This adds this. This adds that. This adds these all all these new areas, uh, new quests, new people, new storylines, new items, and all of that are things that um, Obsidian didn't have to put in the game. And it, it may not necessarily sell the game, but it definitely doesn't hurt it. No, and, not at all. And then you have, uh, I think a good example is also a Skyrim, uh, because the modding community went nuts with Skyrim because you 
anything with it, just like you could with Fallout 3. And sure, the the experience was really good and fun to play with, but there could always be improvements and people, you know, and there's plenty of other things you can do to the HUD or whatever's in the game and stuff. And that also led to Dawn Guard, which was pretty a pretty decent deal. Yeah. There, some of the enhancements that I remembered when I was playing Skyrim on PC some was uh, not not just the texture enhancements like this one, uh, like these few ones that opened up the cities to be all a part of this one world so you didn't have to worry about loading screens as much yet it didn't lag the game that much either and added a whole lot of um, shrubbery and trees and natural beauty inside towns and also added different a uh, whole lot more music the, there's a couple of mods where these guys got were able to develop and uh, write and compose their own music their uh their own uh, style of music that coincided with what Skyrim is, it, you know, kind of like Lord of the Rings feeling music without actually just going straight to Lord of the Rings and was able to add that to dungeons and to different areas and it just gave it a much more enhanced experience and that was just done by opening it up and allowing them, allowing the community to mod it just itself instead of Bethesda going, hey, we're going to take care of that, we'll let you know what you're going to enjoy there's going to be no other options for this. I mean, so, not to say the gaming companies shouldn't develop their own games as they see fit, but opening it up for that kind of enhancement really added a whole new level of awesome to the game, and it made me love it just that much more. And the, the other thing that I think uh, with mods is that... So this is is kind of a PC only phenomenon because it's very difficult to do mods on console i mean if possible at all you can't really widely distribute it a lot of people would have to do you know hardware modifications or you would have to load software that the console manufacturers don't want you to load onto it all that's fine but um in order to like it, it, so so for pc this is a pc centric thing um i think Opening up your game, especially if it's multi-platform, if you spend time to open up your game on PC, you're going to you're going to sell more. But how much time? I I, I just wonder how much time it takes to um, to open that up and why you wouldn't do it. So I can see if there was no ROI, if you know, okay, well maybe we'll sell an extra one thousand games if we have mods. But you know, in order to do that, it's going to cost an extra two months of labor. I have no idea what it takes to, to open up a game for modding, so I don't know if that's reasonable or not. Probably not. I would say no. But yeah, I, like I, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Can you guys think of any reason why a company would not want to open their game to modding? Pirating. Oh yeah. 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 But mostly pirating, and they don't. A lot of gaming companies are very particular about their artistic and creative um, grip on a game and opening it up too much kind of makes it it makes it almost seem like you're admitting that you don't have as much belief in your own artistic capabilities and that you want to rely more on a community but for the most part I I think it'd be you know there's there's one other reason it's uh the more you open it up for modding the higher risk you run of crashing the game and then ruining the experience um, well yeah I mean, uh, you start off with a base game like Skyrim in a box, uh, you know, it won't crash very much. But say it was a more open source that let, you know, easier easier to mod. Say, say you could do it without having to use, like, Steam. It would be much easier to crash, or it, it would be much more prone to problems uh, cropping up in whatever code that gets rewritten or things that get added in. So that would add a lot of not necessarily problems, but definitely hamper the experience of playing the game because you have to sift through, you know, whatever problems arise from being able to mod it. Yeah. I, I think modding also would really depend on the style of the game because, like, I've been noticing in the chat, it's, you know, it's being mentioned that with games, there is a very set story, and it is, you know, a story that's been authored by someone, and it's like you're allowing a fan fiction community to come in and just rewrite your story as they see fit, and that's what's going to be produced. But, it, it, but like with Skyrim, there is a main storyline, but it's not a linear game, too. It's incredibly open world, and so it allows for its story to be still the main uh, subject of the player's experience without letting any other kind of mod completely ruin that that you still have that main aspect and you can add to it or add completely different aspects to it to be able to continue it on 
Yeah. Yeah, but I think there's still there's sort of a line there, right? That if if I say, okay, well, I'm going to download these mods, like for Skyrim specifically, this is uh, this is what I'm saying is, uh, it, it, you know, there's the top hat and monocle mod for the crabs. You know, there are lightsaber mods. There are extra quests that people like to add in. Um, but you are downloading those from somebody who you know did not create the game. Uh, and so I, I think you can dissociate what a fan work is and what a not fan work is. I think that the game is just a medium in order to convey whatever. Like, so if I wanted to put in something in which, like, everybody in the game had those uh, robotic brainwave Nekomimi ears um, and they were all being controlled by some cat overlord, I think that would be fine. Um, it would change, you know, obviously the story of Skyrim, but it's from me, and I think people know that it's from me. Now, if if the people who made Skyrim, if Bethesda decided to do that, then that would be them retconning their story and putting in, you know, in, in fan fiction into their into their game. So if all of a sudden all of the mud crabs actually did have top hats and monocles, I'd be like, well, that was a weird choice for you to make. But it's kind of cool that you're talking to the community, I guess. But at the same time, I mean... The choice you know, was why? set on you instead of letting you decide whether you wanted that little addition. Yeah. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking uh, there, there are certain games that it really wouldn't work too much to open it up for modding. Like maybe for the Deus Ex game that recently came out. It's a fantastic game. Great story. But other than possibly adding different weapons to it, it, there, there really isn't so much you can add to it for modding because of how linear the game is. And when you really think about it, that's kind of where the modding community goes is for the nonlinear games, for the really open games. You know, Minecraft and Skyrim and other other games of those kind of open world styles is what has a lot more potential for mods being utilized because they don't have to worry about really hurting on the artistic storyline that they can add to it themselves. And if you choose to use it or not, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, there are some mods that make the game more play. There are mods that can make um, really frustrating games really good. Like uh, I know specifically for Castlevania two, you know, Castlevania two was, um, they're the ones that are infamous for the, for the line. You know, what a horrible night to have a curse. And it's a very, long dialogue it takes a long time to transition to night and you have to go back to town and everybody says really cryptic messages so you have no idea what you're doing in the story there's a rom hack that actually speeds up all the text for everybody it puts all of their language in uh, in plain english so instead though instead of being like you must hit your head on this mountain instead of saying that they're like go and crouch in this corner or whatever you know and the transition from day to night is a lot faster. So that alleviates a lot of the frustrating uh, parts of the game. Granted, it can't, it can't fix, you know, the fact that you still have to collect hearts and, and you know, all the other mumbo-jumbo that's associated with the game. But it can make, um, it can definitely raise the quality of a game. And I think um, it, it's really, I think it's really funny, like the mod, uh, the, the sort of mentality that you have, that you approach mods with is if the mod is bad, so if I installed a mod and it made everything break or it made everything look horrible, all of a sudden I'm like, man, that was a really awful mod. I hated that mod. And I can separate the game and the mod very easily. But if I download a good mod and I install it, and I'm like, man, this is a really good mod. I forgot how much I love to play Minecraft. Everything looks so pretty with this mod on. So now you like the mod and you also like the game more. Um, I think that there's... I, I can't see a really big negative for for having for having mods on except for except for the pirating thing so i mean for but, public opinion i think the two get separated and that's something that uh is is rare because if if dawn guard was bad i would say i didn't like skyrim i remember with um elder scrolls for oblivion one of the first mods that i uh, ended up downloading for and it made the game so much better was the complete revamp of the leveling system that they had because with oblivion they had this level up system of you choose some main um 
main traits, some main characteristics and abilities that you are going to be using throughout the game. And when you level up those major ones, that's when you'll get an actual level up in character. But you have minor skills. Skills, that's the word I'm looking for. When you have minor skills and you level up those, they don't really apply to the leveling system. So you are kind of setting what your playstyle is going to be throughout the whole game. There was a mod that changed this to pretty much what Skyrim is like now, where it left everything in kind of an equal setting. When you level up something, that's going to be leveling up your character. But if you continue to level up that skill, it's going to make it a little more difficult to level up the character because then it's not going to be so focused on that one skill while not taking away from the other skills as well. It made the whole leveling system a lot easier and a lot better and just made the game that much more fun to play without it actually changing the game itself. It just changed the interface. And there's some menu interfaces with Skyrim that makes it a lot easier to navigate, a lot easier to get to your, you know, your weapons and to your sorting. And you can set it up as you would see it. You know, like being dealt a hand of cards in poker, you set it up by suit or in numeric order or however you want. You, you do it as you see fit. And those kind of mods, I have nothing but support for because that can really enhance a game experience for anyone. Yeah, and the the only thing that's sad about modding is that you can't really do it on consoles. So we're not going to see um, at least so so games that got really popular on console, specifically like Assassin's Creed. Um, you're not going to see a really, really large popular Assassin's Creed mod anytime soon, I don't think, because, you know, Assassin's Creed has already been established, a lot of people have played it. By the time it gets around to PC, which is three to six months later, um, all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, well, I get to play it on PC, and I know people like Nick love to play the game, uh, love to play Assassin's Creed on PC. By the time it gets to him, it's already been out for, for six months, and if he finds a cool mod, he's like, everybody, guys, this is a really cool mod. This changes um, Ezio's uh, sweet robe and everything. It transforms it into chainmail um, oh, that's on fire. And so if you just touch anybody, everybody is on fire. Look at it. It's so cool. And we're like, well, that's kind of neat. I'm not going to go out and buy the game for that. I don't really... I already played the game. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go back and do right. it. So, I yeah. mean, I. I think even though I think, the game's open, that is such a story-oriented game, and there's a lot of effort into that storyline that you don't really feel like replaying a separate mission. Like, that's one of those things that you know you have these games where you can go back and play a previous mission or a previous chapter in a story, but you don't because it's one continuing story. You don't ever pick up a book, read chapter thirteen, and then put the book away. Yeah, and I mean, if you go. And you decide, okay, well, I you know I buy this game on a console, and then you all of a sudden see that there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff on PC. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but generally, I've never I've never purchased a game on console and then been like, well, it would have been a better purchase on PC. And I see all these really cool things, but you know, I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be sad about it. That's that's what I do is I'm just like, well, I mean, I missed I missed the boat. Um, I don't actually go and purchase it. I think that's that's the same case that a lot of people were in, especially whenever games cost $60, you know? Well, I mean, with Borderlands 2 coming up, that's going to be one that's probably going to be heavily modded if it's on the PC. Yeah, it is. Um, and so it'll be kind of a, a decision for you that if you want to have the, the sit, sit on the couch and play with your friend's experience, uh, you know, coming home from work and just throwing it on, or if you want to, you know, sit at your computer... And have fun, like like you know, seeing the new mods that come out and trying them out, new guns and stuff, and then playing and then showing those to your friends. I think it kind of sh- shows the the different communities that you have, community and the home console community, and the difference between the two. Yeah, and I think that actually showcases really, really well the differences between um, a console, specifically a console game and a PC game. Is that PC does not and cannot have local multiplayer. It just it just can't. It's not built for that. Um, TVs can uh, a lot of the, a lot of newer games don't do it, but I mean you can do it. So like I don't know I don't know how many players Borderlands will support. I do know that Minecraft will support. I think four people doing multiplayer, um, and uh, they'll you know they they allow you to play four people multiplayer on one TV, which is really neat. Um, but you know on on PC you have to connect to a server. So I mean. I I don't know. It's really strange because you have to pick between the PC and the console genre and the PC what it has on its side is mods and probably and you know hardware upgradeability and software upgradeability um so they'll be able to fix fix patches quicker, you'll be able to download your own stuff. Um but you'll also 
be able to fix things. So, like, whenever New Vegas came out for PlayStation 3, I felt really bad for people. Um, and Skyrim, actually. Whenever Skyrim came out for PS3 and it was loading these huge files over there, they couldn't fix it because they were like, okay, well, we're, we're trying to work on the patch and we're trying to put it out, but it's, you know, it's not going to be coming as fast as you think it is. And they also had to pay to reissue a patch. And, I mean, the console segment is kind of a mess for doing updates, but, yeah, so that was that was like way off topic. <laughs> no, that's all right. It's completely true, though. Yeah, and I I, I don't know. I I think mods are, I think mods are a good thing. So uh, I guess that's the end of that argument. We have a really quick announcement for everybody as well. Um, we're going to be changing. I uh, not not changing our video format, but we're going to be adding to it. So um, we're considering adding uh, either more video reviews per month or we're going to be doing a video news segment or let's play videos or recording us playing prop hunt and talking about the news or recent events, um, you know, editing those together and putting it up on YouTube every month or, you know, some other ideas that maybe you guys have. So if anybody uh, wants to send any suggestions to us, be sure to send it to jromafeller at aristagamer.net or you can actually send it to any email address you see on our website because all of those forward to me so news at aristagamer.net social media at aristagamer.net all of it forwards to me so you can <laughs> send those anywhere how handy yeah it's nice um so yeah uh what what did nice. you guys think did you guys have any ideas for playing around with the video format i like i still uh... like the idea with the prop hunt that casey had um a good while ago with the um us being able to actually have gameplay of and, and hey prop hunt there you go another mod of a fun uh just little shooting the breeze you know acting like complete idiots and talking about what's relevant to us in the current you know today news of gaming and i i kind of like where that could go so I, i'd say we could shoot for that yeah um we could also experiment with like like a strictly more news newsy video we can cap, like we can recap what's happened in the past like two or three weeks where we can make it i don't know four or five minutes long we're just kind of sitting down talking about it yeah i mean that that was sort of what I was thinking as well um it would be a way shorter format than than the podcast, but it'd also be a lot more focused. So oh, we, yeah. you know, each pick our topics yeah. and just just go for it as hard as as hard as we can. Just Almost go hard like in the paint. Sum up a podcast. Yeah, like podcast summary, which the the podcast summary is really a summary of the news and sort of what our website is. So it's like a summary of the summary of the summary. In summary, bam! That was a terrible joke. Um, <laughs> You're good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, also, we have partnered with a, a few different websites. So uh, International House of Geek is a website that we're partnering with for content. So they're going to be uploading one of our reviews a month, um, and we're going to be uploading one of their reviews uh, every month. We also have cross-promotion on our YouTube channel with them, and we have um, a static uh, affiliated sites box for them. Um, in addition to that, our podcast is being syndicated on 8BitX Radio. I recommend you go check those guys out. They're really good. They uh, they have really good chiptune music. They have really cool uh, entertainment shows. Uh, and you know, so if if this show is, you know, if this show is just not enough for you, that's the radio network to go to for sure. Absolutely fantastic, guys. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Does that about wrap it up for us today? Yeah, I think we're good. believe so. So, all right, this has been uh, Colby and Devin and Casey uh, bidding you a good evening or a good month of good gaming. Take care, guys. See ya.